You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. Well, what's up, Trace? It's so good uh, to have you with us today. First, I just want to say welcome to all of you that are joining us online today. We know uh, that this could potentially be a season for you where you feel a little bit more disconnected than usual. And uh, so we want to connect with you. And so if you would, feel free to leave your name, uh, where you're watching, who you're watching with in the chat below. Someone will connect with you. We'd love to get you more connected this morning. Also, just want to say welcome to any of you that are joining us for the very first time this morning, whether uh, you saw our street signs or maybe uh, you got invited by a friend or maybe you've been watching us online for a long time now, but you decided to join us in person. Whatever the case, we're so glad to have you all as guests today. Uh, My name is Josiah, and I have the opportunity to be the student pastor here at Trace. And if you haven't heard this before, we have some incredible students here at Trace uh, that, although this has been a challenging season for a lot of them, I've watched as a lot of students have taken this obstacle of COVID and actually turned it into an opportunity to serve other people. And so very quickly, I'd just like to brag slash embarrass a couple of the students that we have, because uh, you probably never know this, but every almost every single week, we have these four girls uh, that are a part of our student ministry that show up on their Wednesday afternoons, and they help us put together all of our Trace Kids environments. Their names are Haley, Aubrey, Lauren, and Cadence, and they help us get all of those environments ready so they're ready to go on Sunday mornings, that although they could complain, although they could pull the COVID card, although they probably have other things they could be doing, instead they choose to come here and remove some obstacles so your kids can come to know Jesus. And we have plenty of other students that serve here as well. So could we just take a moment wherever you're at and give it up for our students that serve? Yeah. And we want our students to know uh, that they can make a difference now, that they don't have to wait until they're older. And so if you are a student, if you have a student, if you know a student, we'd love to uh, invite you to be a part of our student ministry here at Trace and get connected to what God is doing through our students. But today I'm very, very excited because we are actually kicking off a brand new series. Hopefully you saw it. It's called Me and My Big Fat Mouth. And so actually the first thing I'd love for us to do, we don't usually do this, but I'd love for us to do this together, whether you're here in person, whether you're watching us online today, if we could just all together read this with me. So here we go. Read it with me. Me and my big fat mouth. Very good, guys. Um, And the reason I have you do that is actually very specific. Because we can read a statement that very clearly says, me and my big fat mouth, and very quickly we can turn that into his and her big fat mouth. That maybe today you came in here and you heard this is what we were talking about, and you're like, this is perfect. Because like my spouse and I were arguing on the way to church this morning, and like my husband could really use a sermon on this right now. Or maybe you've already got your phones out ready to share this with your politically opposite, overly vocal friends on social media. Like, I know you're not taking notes. I haven't said anything worth writing down yet. I'm just kidding. But the truth is, we do this, don't we? So to be clear this morning, this series, Me and My Big Fat Mouth, this is about me and my big fat mouth. This is about you and your big fat mouth. This is not about other people and the problems that they may have with their words. And so one more time, say it with some passion. Here we go. Me and my big fat mouth. Very good. And so to start this morning, what I'd like us to do is I want you to just stop and take a moment, and I want you to think of all the different ways that we use our words. All the different ways we use our words as people. Maybe you're thinking of the words you use when you talk to other people like I'm doing right now. 
Maybe you're thinking of the words that you use whenever you're texting your family members or you're texting your friends trying to keep up with loved ones. Maybe you're thinking of the words that you use whenever you sit behind a keyboard and you type out a post that you're going to post to your social media. Whatever it is, I want you to think of all the different ways we use our words. Because the truth is, for the most part, a majority of the words we use are actually neutral, meaning that we actually assign meaning to the words we use for a majority of the case. But because that's the case, that means that we can either use our words to do good things or we can use our words to do bad things, can't we? And so real quick, I want you to think of all the different ways we use our words for good. Maybe for you, it's extremely practical that maybe for you, you order delicious food with your words. Maybe you make someone's day better. Maybe you compliment uh, your significant other. Maybe for you, you encourage your children or encourage a friend that you have. Maybe for you, uh, you give someone hope even when their life hurts. Maybe for you, it's cheering for your favorite sports team using your words. Or maybe if you're anything like me, you're directionally challenged, and so you have to ask for directions using your words a lot. Or maybe you're the other person who's actually giving people directions so that they can get where they're going when they're lost. And over the course of this past week, I actually found a video of someone doing just that that they wanted to share uh, where their favorite fishing spot was with one of their friends, and so they wanted to give them directions, and I'm pretty sure this is our senior pastor, Aaron Pennington, as a child, not completely positive, but I want you to go ahead and take a look at this video. Yeah, um, you turn on the left and go right straight to Bear Creek, and you get on a six-mile road, and then you turn back on a one-mile road. Bear Creek Road, turn on two six miles, and go back on where he's at. And then you go on one mile, and you go on one mile, and then you go on this mile, and one mile. And you go, on, you jump back on another mile, and you go back on this mile, and you go back on that mile. Then you go Bear Creek Mile, you go on the bridge mile, and you turn on another bridge, go another Bear Creek. So I hope you got all that, because uh, that's actually where we're going to be meeting next week. No, I'm just teasing. But the point is, we can use our words to do a lot of good. But you guys know just as well as I do that this is a double-sided coin. That while we can use our words to do good things, we can also use our words to do bad things as well. That maybe you use your words to criticize your spouse. Or maybe you use your words to disrespect your parents. That maybe you were like I was as a kid and you used your words to mouth off to the teachers that you had. Or to destroy the self-confidence of some of your friends. We can use our words to put others down so that we feel better about ourselves. Our words can be used to devalue people. They can be used to prolong racism. They can even scar and leave wounds that last much longer than any physical hurt or damage that we may experience in our life. Listen, our words, they can divide friends. Our words can divorce families. Our words can deconvert people from following Jesus. At the end of the day, guys, it is our words, not necessarily our actions, that can cause some of the most damage in someone else's life. And I don't know about you, but over the last couple of weeks, the last several weeks, I've seen something that could be used for good, been used instead for bad. That places like social media that used to be helpful are now these hostile battlegrounds. And far too often when we choose to use our words uh, for bad, they don't only just affect our reputation, 
They don't only just affect the reputation of our family members or even you know, the business we may work for, but actually uh, far too often we and our big fat mouths, they can actually create an obstacle for people to get to Jesus. And when that happens, we're actually putting up an obstacle and we're affecting the reputation of God himself. But as a church, you've heard us say, hopefully, that we are committed and convicted to remove every obstacle to get you to Jesus. And sometimes that includes ourselves. And so over the next several weeks, the next couple of weeks, we want to take a deep dive into our souls, a deep dive into our minds to talk about what does it look like for us to be wise with what we say? What does it look like for us to be wise with our words? And to do that, we're actually going to look at the words of someone maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't uh, heard of them, but uh, they weren't too famous, but they had a very famous brother uh, whose name was Jesus. We're talking about a guy named James, and something you need to know about James is that for a majority of James' life, James was actually a skeptic of his older brother, that he actually didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. He didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God, that actually maybe this is you too, but uh, James actually believed that his older brother Jesus just made it all up. And I don't blame the guy, because like if my older brother told me he was the son of God, it would be very hard for me to believe him, especially with all the things that he's done, my brothers have done to me over the years. But for James, it took nothing more or nothing less than him standing next to his mother, watching his brother be crucified on a cross, watching his brother slowly suffocating on a cross, watching a Roman soldier drive a spear through his brother's side. And then them taking his brother off of the cross, uh, cleaning him off, wrapping him up, placing him in a tomb. But then several days later, seeing that very same brother walking around, talking to people, having conversations with others very much so alive. That James witnessed both the crucifixion and the resurrection. And because of that, he went from one of Jesus's biggest skeptics to one of Jesus's biggest advocates. And he would go on to lead the church in Jerusalem for the next several decades. And several years after that, he would actually sit down and begin writing out his thoughts. And he wouldn't just write about what it looked like to live a life marked by following his brother Jesus, but he would also just write about what it looked like to live a life uh, marked by common sense, by practical wisdom. That one of the things I love about James and his writing style is that when he writes, he writes very practically. He writes in a way that's easy to understand regardless of where you are at. And so this morning, as we dive into the book of James, uh, wherever you're at, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time now, or, or maybe you're like James was when he was younger and you are very skeptical about Jesus. You don't know if you believe everything uh, that we talk about when it comes to uh, that man, Jesus. Whatever the case I believe James has a lot to offer when it comes to the advice he gives when it comes to being wise with our words. Because when he talks about this, he's going to give us a very simple formula to follow of how we can be wise with what we say. And so this is what it says in James chapter 1. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, that's an important word, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And that's it. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
that I believe if we as people can learn to master these elements, specifically those first two of quick to listen and slow to speak, that we can learn to be wise with what we say. And so this morning, all I want to do is I just want to take a deeper dive into those two things. What does it look like to be quick to listen and slow to speak? So we'll start with that first one right here, quick to listen. And so this is a place we've said that we want to be a place where you can stop pretending. Meaning that whoever's standing up on this stage is not going to pretend to be someone they're not. And we hope that bleeds into the culture of the people who are engaged here at Trace, the people who are watching us online. And so in an effort to stop pretending this morning, can we all just take a moment and be honest and admit for a second that we are all really bad at listening, aren't we? That listening is not something that comes natural to us, that as people, we have a listening problem, don't we? And there's several reasons this is the case, uh, one of which, if you didn't know this, we were actually not designed to be good listeners. That actually your thoughts and your brains and your ears actually work at a much more efficient pace than the words coming out of someone else's mouth. If I could say it a little bit more simple, uh, your ears and your brains work much faster than your mouth. And this is why so many of us struggle with while someone else is talking to us, we are already beginning to uh, formulate how we're going to respond to that person even before they finish talking to us. But just because we were designed to listen quickly, it doesn't make us quick to listen. That if anything, I would say the opposite is true for me and opposite is true for us, that we are very slow to listen. But the other reason I think that we're bad at listening is because rarely do we set ourselves up to win when it comes to listening to other people. That in any given moment when someone else is talking to us, there are so many other distractions, so many other things demanding our attention in that moment that it makes it hard to focus on what somebody is saying to us. And namely, the one I want to dial in on is that we get so concerned with what needs to be done that we often miss what has been said. That we're often so focused on the different things that we need to do, the different things we need to accomplish, that we often miss what the person in front of us is saying to us. This is why whenever you go to work, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about all the things that need to get done at home. Did the dog get fed? Did we close the garage door? Did we leave something on that will burn down the house? Did the kids get fed? Are the kids going to school today? Is there school today? Do we still have schools in existence? Like we're worrying about those things. Uh, but then we're also, as soon as we get home, what do we worry about? All the things that worked out, we forgot. Did we send that email? Did we finish that report? Did we communicate clearly? Did we say something that we shouldn't have? Do people understand where we're going, the mission, the vision, all those different things? And we get so concerned, so consumed with what needs to be done that we often miss what has been said. We have a listening problem. We're distracted. And this is exactly what happens for a woman named Martha uh, in a story told to us by a guy named Luke. That Jesus, he's actually going to visit the house of Mary and Martha. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 10. Her sister, talking about Martha here, Martha's sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. And in this moment, Martha, she actually gets mad at Mary. And she's like, Mary, why won't you help me? Like, there's so many things we need to get done. Like, I'm trying to be a good host for Jesus. Like, the Son of God, he's in our house. We need to get all these things done. And so instead, Jesus sits her down, and he reprimands her. And he says this. But Jesus said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And it won't be taken away from her. That Jesus is actually saying in this moment, Martha, I need you to understand that in this moment, your availability 
is more important than your agenda. Let that sink in for a moment. Your availability is more important than your agenda. Meaning that your availability uh, to be with people is more important than your availability to finish the things on your to-do list. Because let's break this down for a second. As parents, your availability to be with your children, especially in a season like this, is actually more important than your agenda and the things you need to get done at work. Or if I could take it a uh, layer deeper, your agenda to convince your neighbors or to convince the people that follow you on social media that they should have the same political views as you or the same mindset as you when it comes to all the different questions, your agenda in that moment is actually a little bit less important than your availability to have them over for dinner and sit them down and talk through their story and try to understand why they believe what they believe. Or if I could take it a layer deeper, your agenda to convince your friends, your family members that abortion is completely wrong and anybody who participates in that should be completely abhorred is actually less important than your availability to sit down with someone who's struggling through that decision for themselves. To put an arm around someone, to cry beside someone, to suffer silently through something very hard in someone's life. Maybe a layer deeper. It's your agenda to express your opinion that racism is not real and it's being prolonged by people who are speaking up too loudly. It's actually less important than your availability to sit down with someone who's different than you and let them explain to you what it's like to live the life that they do, to experience the things that they do. Listen to me, your availability, people, is more important than your agenda. We have a listening problem. And I think part of the reason is far too often we confuse those and we prioritize our agenda over uh, our prioritization of people. And myself is included in that. But we have to learn to be quick to listen. Right now, we are slow to listen. So, what do we do? How do we fix this? If I were to sum up what it looks like to be quick to listen, I would use this statement right here that says, as people, we should seek to understand before we demand to be understood by other people. That we should seek to understand before we demand to be understood by other people. And here at Trace, uh, on our staff, we have what we call a very heavy feedback culture. And so what that means is that we know each and every single one of us, we have blind spots both in our professional life, but also in our personal life. And we think it's not just good, but it's very healthy for us to invite the right people into those conversations to help us grow in certain areas. And so if I were to tell you the truth this morning, I would tell you that this has been an area for me where I've needed the most consistent feedback from Aaron, that I am not someone who is quick to listen, that if anything, I am very quick to insert my own opinion. I'm very quick to tell people how I think, what I think. I'm very quick to tell people what I think is the best way forward. But time after time, Aaron has sat me down and he's challenged me with something that I want to share with you guys because I think it's been incredibly beneficial for me in becoming more quick to listen. And there's been several times where he sat me down and he said, Josiah, here's what I want you to do. Before you feel like you should insert your opinion, what I want you to do is I want you to stop. I want you to slow down. And I want you to ask three questions that really help you truly understand, get a better picture of where people are coming from. And so this morning, if I could, I'd love to challenge you all to do the same. 
that the next time you're scrolling through social media and you see that post and you just want to go off on that person with your keyboard. This Thanksgiving, when you're sitting around a dinner table with that family member that just drives you crazy and you're ready to give it to them. Or maybe, you know, whatever that person says or does that thing that just absolutely emotionally triggers you and you're ready for a fight. What I want you to do is I want you to stop. I want you to slow down. And I want you to ask three questions that can genuinely help you understand where the other person is coming from. And those three questions can't be like, why are you so stupid? Were you raised by idiots? And I bet you voted for so-and-so, didn't you? Okay, like they've got to be three genuine, authentic questions that truly help you understand where the other person is coming from. If we want to be wise with our words, it actually starts by closing our mouths. We've got to be quick to listen, quick to listen. And I believe if we can learn to process through, uh, you know, when we're listening and learn to ask questions and be curious, we can get there. And so how do we be wise with our words? First, we'd be quick to listen. Second, we'd be slow to speak. And so my whole life, uh, this has definitely been an area of struggle for me. Uh, that if you were going to go ask my teachers, if you were going to go ask my mom, is Josiah slow to speak? Like, they'd probably laugh at you. Um, if I could say it a different way, I would say it like this, that I'm pretty confident, like 95% confident, uh, that you all would have hated me uh, in high school <laughs> and early college. And the main reason for this is I was not slow to speak. That I said whatever I wanted, uh, to, and more importantly, to whoever I wanted. And I had more of this ready, fire, aim kind of mentality when it came to my words. That slow to speak were not words that I put together in my vocabulary. They weren't words that I would ever use to describe myself. Um, because, you see, I, I loved to argue with people. Like, it was one of my favorite pastimes in high school and early college. I loved arguing with people. And back then, through counseling, I've learned that for me, it was a way to assert dominance over people that I've never been uh, very big physically. And I knew I couldn't beat people physically, but I knew I could humiliate them uh, verbally. And so I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's what I thought back then. But I would argue with anyone about anything for as long as it took for them to understand I was right and they were stupid. No, they were wrong. Um, but my love for arguing got so bad, in fact, that whenever I was in college, I began starting these arguments just to see how long I could keep them going, uh, which meant that a lot of times I was arguing both sides of the argument, and it would really frustrate people. But I remember this one time specifically, I wanted to argue with this guy on my floor to see how long I could keep it going. This was like a personal record type thing for me. Um, and I'd love to tell you the conversation was crazy beneficial, that we both walked away better people, it was very informative, and it just, it wasn't. Um, the kid I knew loved Disney. And so I wanted to argue with this kid that I thought Frozen, Tarzan, and the Little Mermaid were all connected, uh, just one big story woven together. And my only basis for this was all three of those movies are made by Disney and they all have shipwrecks. And like, that was it. Okay. You want to know how long the conversation lasted? Four hours. Four hours of debating Disney, four hours of pure joy for me, but four hours, sadly, that I will never get back, and that person won't ever get back either. But I love to argue, and very quickly, I got good at it, and I'm not trying to be prideful, but I knew what to say to get people to stop talking. I knew how to bulldoze people with my words. I was one of those people that could prove my point, even if my point was absolute nonsense. But over time, I started to realize something, and this, this may come to a shock as uh, for many of you, but uh, no one really liked me, <laughs> that actually uh, people started avoiding certain conversations with me. 
that they wouldn't share their honest opinion with me. Some people just flat out stopped hanging out with me. And over the years, I've begun to notice uh, why, and it, the truth is that there was no part of me, no part of me that was slow to speak, that I was very quickly winning arguments, but I was also very quickly losing all of my friendships, that I began sacrificing my friends on the altar of being right. And I'd like to think over the years that I've gotten better at this, but this is still something I struggle with. But I also know I'm not alone in this. That many of us, we struggle with this too. Maybe for the spouses in the room, it looks like arguing a detail in a story that really doesn't matter. Or for the parents, when the kids get home and they, they're excited about something they've learned and they're acting a certain way and you don't agree with either their belief or behavior and so your first instinct is to crush that wrong belief, to crush that wrong behavior and very quickly, a simple conversation ends in a very heated argument. Or maybe you're scrolling through social media and you see that post that you disagree with and so you grab your keyboard and you warrior up and you begin to verbally discredit the credibility of the person who posted it. And in those moments, can I just tell you this from experience? You may win the argument, but you're probably going to lose the relationship. You may win the argument, but you're probably going to lose the relationship. That spouse, you may be completely right in what you say, but completely wrong in how you say it. Or parents, you may convince them that you are right and that you're smarter and you have more experience and that you're in charge in that moment, but you also might just lose your children in the process. That social media connoisseurs, you may insert your opinion well, but you also might just lose all the influence that you had with the people following you. If I could get in your face this morning a little bit, follower of Jesus, you may get your point across well that we have all the answers, but you also might just lose every future opportunity to share Jesus with that person. And so hear me say this very clearly this morning because I'm a huge proponent of it. Just because we're slow to speak doesn't mean we don't speak up at all. There is a time and there is a place to be bold with the words that we have, bold with the message that we proclaim as followers of Jesus. But what I'm talking about today is that we do not need to militarize our mouths every single time someone disagrees with us. I actually love how Proverbs puts it in Proverbs chapter 17. It says this, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Hey guys, have you ever noticed the only time we and our big fat mouths get in the way is when they're open. We need to learn to be slow to speak, slow to speak. We have to learn to process what we say even before we say it. So what do we do? How do we grow in this area? How do we get better? A great filter for me has actually come out of a life verse that I've had. And if you've never heard that phrase, it's just a verse that we choose to memorize as followers of Jesus that helps us in various moments. And I feel like a lot of people choose those because they're very significant. For me, it's more out of necessity, like I'm really bad at something. And so I need to memorize something uh, so I can get better. And this is one of those cases, but it actually comes out of Ephesians 4.29. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let, that's an important word, everything you say. Everything you say, be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Everything you say. So what does it look like to be slow to speak? It looks like choosing to filter our words and two questions that I uh, commonly use and commonly come back 
to that actually came out of that passage is this right here. Is it helpful and is it encouraging? Is it helpful and is it encouraging? And for a majority of us, we would say yes to that first question with most of the things we say that very rarely do we say things that we don't believe are helpful. But I really think the filter kicks in with that second question. Is it encouraging? And there's a huge difference between encouraging other people to see things your way and encouraging other people to be the people that God created them to be. And we're looking for the the second question, the second answer there. So we ask ourselves, is it helpful and is it encouraging? Guys, if we want to be wise with our words, we have to learn to be quick to listen and slow to speak. That if we can learn to master those two things, I really do believe that we can learn to master the words that we have. So how do we be wise with our words? First, quick to listen, then slow to speak. And I think the person that models this the best that I've seen, at least, is Jesus himself. That one of the main reasons I believe Jesus had such an effective ministry, uh, such an effective movement that we're talking about it 2,000 years later, I believe one of the reasons that Jesus was such an effective leader was that he learned to master his words early on. That Jesus himself, he was quick to listen. That if you look through the Gospels, when people ask him questions, even when people ask him for opinion, you know what he does? He asks another question. He's curious. He chooses to uh, be quick to listen in those moments, but he's also slow to speak. That Jesus, we don't find Jesus a whole lot just arguing with a bunch of people, although we could. He could do that. You know, he could be here being the one uh, competing with the best of minds, arguing his points. But I think the reason Jesus is so good at being quick to listen and slow to speak is that Jesus rarely forgot his mission. Jesus didn't forget his mission. That I need you to hear this very clearly. Jesus didn't come to this world to be right. He didn't. He didn't come to this world to prove that he was right, that he had all the answers, like I said, although he could have. At the pinnacle of uh, history, at the climax of the Gospels, at the climax of the story, we don't see Jesus arguing across the table from someone. We don't see him behind a keyboard typing out his opinions, making sure that everybody know what they are. We don't see Jesus competing with the political minds of the day, arguing why he is right and they are wrong. We don't see Jesus sacrificing his friends on the altar of being right. No, Jesus didn't come to prove that he was right. He came to make us right with him. And that's a big difference. That actually in in that moment, at the pinnacle of history, we see Jesus sacrificing not his friends, but himself. Up on a cross, dying for the people who disagree with him dying for the people who would say things different than him, that would start arguments with him, dying for the people that hung him on the cross. That Jesus, he didn't come to prove he was right. He came to make us right with him. And so church this morning, if I could be so bold, our mission is no different. That we're not here, we're not on mission to prove to people that we are right. That we have all the answers. No, we're on mission to remind people that because of what Jesus did on the cross, that he's made everyone right with God, that now everybody has a shot at eternity, now that everybody has a shot to be right with God. We can't forget our mission. And so this morning, if I could challenge you, I would just say this. When it comes to the words you speak, when it comes to the words you use, are they helpful? Are they encouraging? Are we quick to listen? Are we slow to speak? Because I think if we can do that, we can truly become wise with our words and we can learn to remove obstacles using our mouths rather than just simply putting them up. 
I'm going to pray, and then Aaron actually has something he wants to say uh, to all of us. God, thank you so much for this time. God, thank you for just a season where uh, we get to come here, and God, I know right now this is a very difficult season for a lot of different people. God, I'm beyond grateful to gather with others, and God, we just want to be wise with our words, that we know this has nothing to do with us, but we want to point people to you and get out of the way. But far too often, ourselves and our big fat mouths, they get in the way. And so, God, I pray you make us quick to listen, that we would be curious. We would ask questions of people. But, God, also that you would make us slow to speak, that our words would come with the things that are both helpful and encouraging for other people. God, we're so grateful for your son and his sacrifice on the cross. It's in your name we pray. Amen.